Advent can go by in a stressed-out blur, (laughs) leaving us exhausted by Christmas morning. But there's a better way, a Catholic way full of delightful traditions, stories, and prayers your family will learn from and love. Today, we are blessed to have best-selling author Kendra Tierney to help us celebrate Advent and Santa. (laughs) Don't miss this. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and Kendra Tierney's here to teach us how to celebrate Advent and Santa. Kendra Tierney lives in an It's a Wonderful Lifestyle fixer-upper in the wilds of unincorporated Los Angeles County with her husband, their 10 kids, aged 2 to 19, and some chickens. Kendra is a retired pilot and flight instructor who is putting her English degree to use as a homeschool mom and writer about all things Catholic. Her passion is liturgical living. What began quietly in their home with their children as a way to introduce the lives of the saints and the beautiful history and tradition of our Catholic faith now reaches hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Through her blog, CatholicAllYear.com, social media accounts, YouTube videos, and many books, including the Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life. She shares how obscure Catholic traditions have helped the Tierneys form a strong family culture and Catholic identity and have fun doing it. Welcome to the program, Kendra. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, we always have such a good time uh, because the Tierneys don't do anything by halves, um, but you can inspire those of us who are not quite so accomplished to at least dip our toes in the water and start to have a lot more fun. <laughs> so I want to thank you for that right out of the gate. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, my my motto is anything worth doing is worth overdoing. But I always <laughs> tell people, you don't have to overdo it. You don't have to. <laughs> Yeah, especially around Advent, we can get just so freaked out by the enormity of it all and everything else that's on our plates. Yeah, I feel like there is a lot of pressure around around Advent because there's sort of the war between, you know, wanting to have this really, you know, fruitful spiritual Advent is is that and and in order to do that you have to really bump up against secular culture which is just it's christmas it's christmas it's christmas already um and, and so to to find that balance is a challenge and i think that a lot of times we can end up no matter what we do we can end up feeling that we did it wrong right exactly or you know or incompletely or something so with that caveat we're going to give you a lot of richness here okay so it used to be i remember growing up that after thanksgiving that's when the Christmas shopping really started, but now it starts in like August. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with everything so rushed and commercialized, um, how do we reclaim the season? Well, I would say, I, I agree with you, but I would say that, uh, that I, I, I actually don't mind stuff being in stores early because something that's been really helpful to me on, on making Advent less stressful is to try to get all of my Christmas shopping done early, done before Advent begins. And, and, and so that's what I tell the kids. The kids say like, why is it, why is it decorated for Christmas already? And I say, well, you know, because those are shops and they want you to do your Christmas shopping and we (laughs) want to get that over with. 
Um, I feel like, and, and especially if my kids know that I, that we do our Christmas shopping early, we make our, we make our lists um, and they know that I'm done shopping. Then, then for the season of Advent, it isn't just this constant talking about what we want for Christmas and thinking about shopping. That's all done. We took care of it. And now Advent can be more of a, of a time of preparation and they can be thinking of gifts that they want to, we, we do a lot of of making things uh, during Advent. I don't love craft projects with kids as a rule. I like to do craft <laughs> projects myself and I don't always love the uh, <laughs> the uh, added complications that come with involving a bunch of little kids in it. But Advent is, that's, that's when I really commit to doing that with the kids. And so we have some ongoing, uh, some projects that we do every year. And then uh, they get to make craft messes and to make presents for each other. Um, and so, you know, we, in, instead of Advent, in, instead of that, that, uh, month of December being devoted to shopping, we get that out of the way early and then, um, and, and have it be focused on, you know, cooking together and, and decorating together slowly over the course of the whole month. Um, and so, Everything, you know, everything being set up for Christmas by October um, actually helps us in that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm hearing under the surface of this is there are guidelines, uh, parameters for gift giving already in place for the family so that it can be accomplished and be considered complete. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think there's such a, you know, temptation for, for parents and kids to just think about stuff and all those fun catalogs come in the mail. And I have fond memories of, you know, flipping through the toy catalogs and, um, you know, to see what was, see what was available. Um, but, uh, but, and so I'm not against that and I want to know what my kids want and I want them to have that joyful, you know, slightly hedonistic Christmas morning, which, you know, that feels so special, but I don't want to think about it every day for a month or every day for two months. I want to talk about what you want. Well, you, you know, I want us to write our letters to Santa. I want you to tell your grandma what you would, you know, make a list for grandma. And then we're going to be done with it and move on because it can be something that sort of overtakes one's imagination. And, and then that's when we have, you know, shifted away from what the season of Advent should be, should be about. So for us, that has been such a powerful step. And I, I am not uh, one, I, I am an overdoer. I am not an over planner. I am not somebody <laughs> who gets things done ahead of time. I am a last minute person um, naturally, but that step that forcing myself to get the shopping done, get it, you know, and even though sometimes it will be just a giant stack of Amazon boxes lining the wall, you know, we, we have 10 kids, <laughs> even, <laughs> even what I consider a, a pretty moderate Christmas ends up to be a lot of boxes. Um, but you mm -hmm. know, so there might be a wall of boxes in my room, but I know that the buying part is done. And then I can wait to, you know, wrap presents in the middle of the night, like, you know, <laughs> that my last minute self can, can, uh, can approve of, but really that one little shift really helped uh, allow us to, to, to shift our focus during Advent. Yay. 
I love that. I love that thought of, I, it tickles my fancy to think of accomplishing that in time for Advent. So I'm going to really ponder that. Um, so talk about setting the tone. What are the opportunities there for, for us to have an Advent the way it's supposed to be? Yeah, they, I, what, what, uh, what changed things for me was, was actually reading old fiction books, you know, coming across these old picture books that, sh that talked about people getting their Christmas tree on, on Christmas Eve and talked about using Advent as, as this period of preparation where you're sort of storing up things that you've baked and you're creating, um, creating decorations of, of homemade things. There's a book called, uh, <clears throat> the Children of Noisy Village uh, by <laughs> the same woman who wrote the, uh, who's the redheaded girl with the pigtails. Oh, Pippi Longstockings? Pippi Longstockings. <laughs> yes, she wrote Pippi Longstockings. And there's this beautiful chapter in it of how uh, Christmas was celebrated in this Norwegian, I guess, Swedish village. Um, and, and it's this slow and steady preparation. And, you know, so reading a few of these old books, I realized, wow, there's such a beauty to that. And it makes so much sense with the liturgical year that I had, you know, that I was growing an appreciation for. And I just, it, it, it was a big shift for us to not rush out and get our Christmas tree right away. But I really do love, we spend Advent, um, baking things and storing them, you know, we'll, we'll bake different cookies associated with, uh, or, and different treats associated with different feast days that, that happen during Advent and we'll store them up. You know, we'll have, we'll have a, uh, you know, two each for, for on the feast day and the rest get stored and put in the freezer. Uh, and, and we sort of start stockpiling treats, not for now, not for Advent, but for Christmas. And we, instead of, you know, I used to pull out my box of Christmas decorations and decorate for Christmas, boom, in one day. And instead, now we have some decorations that are specifically Advent. And then we spend the Advent season making garland out of, um, you know, out of branches from outside. We, um, and, and we have, and, and we make, you know, Christmas wreaths and we make little, you know, snowflake decorations and things like that. But, but the idea of that we can, pull things out slowly and add things one at a time. And I know that that is hard with as busy as we are. And I am, I am so much more busy <laughs> with, um, with doing stuff for Catholic all year than I, than I was when I wrote the Catholic all year compendium, but I do still try to make that a priority to be able to, you know, dedicate some time uh, you know, hopefully every day, but may, but at least every week of reading books together as a family and um, and sort of setting the stage for for Christmas. I feel like, you know, in some ways, I want Lent to feel like like a a tearing away, right? I want I want to rid myself during Lent of this excess baggage that I'm that I'm carrying. But in in Advent, it feels like sort of a building towards where mm -hmm. I want to. I, I want to spend more time doing uh, doing the things that I know I should be doing. I want to spend more time with my kids in prayer. I want to spend more time reading books to them. I want to bake with them. I want to, you know, decorate the house and and to to make that commitment, you know, during Advent. It's just a month. I can do it. 
Yeah. And you know what's really striking me from you, you reading those old books and noticing that it was a gradual progression? It makes me think about the transformation of the soul over time, too, that rather than decorate in a day, um, you know, put Christmas on the house as mm -hmm. if it's an instantaneous transformation, just spiritually, it's an interesting metaphor to make it more gradual. Right. And yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And there are so many beautiful saints days within Advent that we can use. Um, it, you know, I, I always need a, I always need a deadline. <laughs> I'm a last minute person, so I need a deadline. And it's great to have these different, you know, different little traditions for either baking or decorating that we have them associated with different feast days. Um, you know, th things like we'll make our gingerbread houses for the Feast of Our Lady of Loretto on the 10th um, oh. because the, the Feast of Our Lady of Loretto celebrates the holy house in which Jesus and Mary and Joseph lived. Um, so you, you could also do them on uh, December 4th for St. Barbara if you wanted because she's the patron saint of architects. So, oh. you know, that you have <laughs> you have some wiggle room there. <laughs> but we, so we'll, we make our gingerbread houses and, you know, sometimes it's from a kit, sometimes it's homemade. Uh, I just came across a recipe or instructions recently for making really cute gingerbread houses out of graham crackers, ah. which such a great idea. Time saver. Don't have to bake your own gingerbread. Um, but so we'll make the gingerbread houses and put them out as decoration. We don't, you know, make them and then eat them. They, gingerbread is meant to sit and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and last. So we, we make them, it, it's a really good sort of example of what Advent is for us that we, you know, we have it based, we make it for a particular feast day. We talk about why we're making it for Our Lady of Loretto. We talk about, you know, the Holy House and, and we put the effort into making it. And then it is part of our Advent decoration going forward. And then we wait until, uh, part of uh, until the Christmas season, and then we whack it with hammers and we eat it then. <laughs> Wonderful, because <laughs> so, it's about fostering that spirit of waiting. Mm, yes, yes, I, I love that. Um, in in the midst of the this idea of decorating and creating things, just say a little bit about why Advent's liturgical color is purple. Yeah, well, it it is. <clears throat> it, it's meant to recall Lent, recall that same, you know, I said I was comparing, you know, what the differences are between the season of Lent and the season of Advent, but there are similarities too, that it's, it, it is a time set apart by the church in order to allow us to focus on, on preparing our, our homes and our hearts and ourselves for a, for you know the most important events during uh, of of the year and so lent is this time of preparing ourselves for the resurrection and advent is this time of of preparing ourselves for for the incarnation for the birth of of jesus and uh and it's just it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to focus on. It's such a beautiful thing to think about the gift that that God gave to us, you know, that that of, of Jesus coming to us as a as a helpless baby. Um, it's it's just such a beautiful thing, and and so that that the liturgical color is is purple because we are meant to to see this as I wouldn't say as penitential as as Lent in is. 
but but there is a little bit of that to it that we sh- that, that we shouldn't be uh, indulging in, in in everything uh, ahead of time. Uh, and I think especially with it being a baby that we are waiting for, anyone who has children, you know you you know you can't rush that. You can't uh, you know when you are waiting for a baby to be born, it is waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, and, and so that's what we're doing with with Mary and Joseph and with the people of Israel who waited, um, you know, by as the way time is reckoned in the Bible, 4,000 years uh, for uh, for the the um, for the Savior to be born. And and so to really focus on those days as as mindfully waiting and really highlighting that for for ourselves and for our kids um, that, that we are waiting we are waiting yeah beautiful beautiful yeah that sense of uh, delayed gratification that our society does not encourage that's for sure <laughs> um, speaking of the excitement and the waiting how do you talk to your children about Santa Claus yes all right so here's another <laughs> here's another like Catholic social media war um, <laughs> No, we definitely, we definitely um, believe in Santa. You have to believe in Santa because Santa is a historical figure. He is a person who existed. He was the Bishop of Myra. Um, And we, uh, and, uh, you know, the other question that I get asked sometimes is if we do St. Nicholas instead of Santa, but that's not possible because those two people are the same people. Um, Mm. So we do St. Nicholas and Santa because they are the same guy. Um, and, uh, I, I have a, I have a blog post and, and it's also in my book about all the little points that we make to try to, uh, to try to massage the sort of secular cultural Santa traditions into a more, um, Catholic outlook, but really we see Santa as, as an opportunity. I see Santa personally as an opportunity to give in secret the way that the actual, St. Nicholas did. He's a beautiful example to us. And if you, you know, if you read the stories, uh, the uh, hagiography, the, the story of, uh, of the life of St. Nicholas, that, that the, the way that these uh, Santa gift giving traditions got started is that he, uh, uh, you know, grew up in a, He was from a rich family. He got, he got a big inheritance from his uncle and he used that to secretly gift people with money that they needed for, for important, uh, you know, for, for important things in their lives. And so this Santa legend, you know, these Santa traditions allow me to give gifts to my children in secret and have them, you know, joyfully grateful to Santa and not me. Um, and, And I think that, I think that's not something to be you know, just shunted aside. That's a really cool thing. It's a really, it, it's a really neat way for for adults to get to give in secret and and have the credit go to go to Santa. Um, and then it's just it's it's fun family traditions. And you know, we haven't. My my oldest son is nineteen now. Uh, my youngest is two. So you know, we really run the we run the gamut. But. Um, I can say in, you know, in my experience in my family that it has been a really painless transition for my kids from what we call team little kid to team grownups and big kids. Uh, and the big kids, you know, get, get to have sort of a 
slow awakening, a slow dawning of realization of what's really going on. Um, and, uh, and then they come over and they help us and they get to stay up late on Christmas Eve and put together tricycles and fill stockings. Um, and, and, and so it, and then they get to labor in secret for their younger siblings. Um, and they get to, you know, nurture the, the, the legend and, and keep the story going. And in our family, it's been so fun and, and, and so innocent. Yeah. And, and it's not about materialism. As you said, it's about that giving in secret. It's the sacrificing of receiving someone's gratitude and kind of diverting it to the saint who you're also teaching about in various ways. But I love that transition of them becoming part of teen, um, team, uh, you know, teen and young adult where they can start to be part of that conspiracy uh, of love. <laughs> and and there's this thing that sort of crept into parenting, too, about always telling the truth to your kids. And of course, on its face, we say, yeah, we want to teach our children honesty. But at the same time, we then forget the playfulness and the the kind of mysterious quality of a story or the, the mythical sense of a saint. You know, um, you and your family also have some fun with St. Nicholas Day. Tell us a little bit about that, because we've done that for years, too. Yeah, so um, I, I would say that, that something that, that I think helps protect us from an over-focus on Santa is that we celebrate Saints Day's all year long, right? And and that we have traditions that are associated with different saints all year. So it's not as if the only saint my kids have ever heard of is is Santa. You know, my my kids we have family traditions that are associated with saints all year long. So I do think that that um, is is a bit of a protection against uh, you know against an overemphasis on one particular saint. But um, but on uh, St. Nicholas Day is December 6th. Uh, I'm looking at my wall calendar here. Um, yeah, so uh, St. Nicholas Day is December 6th. And the tradition in a lot of countries is to is to do gift giving on that day. Uh, I, I would say another another thing that, that I really appreciate uh, and I think helps our family is to learn about Christmas traditions all over the world in different places and, and to understand that, that things are different in different places. So, you know, the American gift giving tradition is on Christmas day. Uh, in, in some parts of the world, the tradition is, is gift giving on, on epiphany, uh, when the wise men arrived to see Jesus and in a lot of places in, you know, other places in the world, the, the gift giving tradition is on St. Nicholas day itself. So we, since we're Americans, we do our main gift giving on Christmas, but we do we want, you know, we're also, we're Catholic. So we do a little bit of gift giving on St. Nicholas day and a little bit of gift giving on epiphany as well. So the kids put their shoes out, uh, on, uh, on the eve of St. Nicholas day. And, uh, because the story is that when St. Nicholas would throw, uh, the, the coins in the window, they would go into the, the recipient's shoes and into their socks that were hanging to dry by the fireplace. So that's where stockings, hanging stockings comes from and where putting your shoes out comes from. Uh, so the kids get just a little, you know, a couple of little treats like a candy cane and, um, you know, a, a little a chocolate Santa or something in their, in their shoes. And, and we usually give a book on, uh, on 
uh, on St. for St. Nicholas day. And that way, you know, as the kids have some time off of school and, and we really, we really, like, as I said before, we have a real focus on, on reading together as a family during Advent. So we, you know, we get some new books, uh, for, for St. Nicholas day. And that's when, uh, we give St. Nicholas, we leave our, uh, our notes to Santa on that day. And so then, once St. Nicholas Day passes, there's no more talking about what you want because it's all, it's all over and done with. Wow. Love it. Love it. Um, so uh, I know that you got uh, information about the St. Andrew prayer in your book. And again, everybody, do pick this up. This would be a great Christmas present for yourself. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm getting this up on camera here. Um Catholic all year compendium, but, um, but your yeah, children are also, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say there, that's the beauty and the, uh, I guess, danger of Advent is that there are so many beautiful traditions. And I would say that we actually, in our family, manage almost all of them in a non, you know, people are hospitalized or expecting babies <laughs> here. Um, we we really do 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 all do all of them, but you don't have to. And um, but they're you know these these traditions that last throughout Advent are just again a really great way to sort of set it apart. But so I'm gonna run. I I can run through all of them, but I don't <laughs> want to scare everybody away. You know, just listen for one that that seems like you know it would be a good one for you, and start with that one if 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 you know this hasn't been part of your family tradition before. But there's the uh, the uh, Christmas anticipation prayer, which sometimes people call the St. Andrew's Novena, but that is kind of a pet peeve of mine because it isn't a novena. Novenas are a nine-day thing or a nine-month thing. This is a 25-day thing, and you say the prayer 15 times a day, so there's no nines involved, so it can't be a novena. <laughs> <laughs> You heard but, it here. So it's, <laughs> it's the Christmas. So we call it the Christmas anticipation prayer, but it's just this beautiful prayer that talks about, you know, the, the circumstances of Jesus's birth. Uh, and it is traditionally said 15 times a day. It's a really short little prayer. You can memorize it easily. It says 15 times per day from the Feast of St. Andrew on November 30th through Christmas Eve. Um, so we always keep a printout of it. I keep one in the car and I keep one, you know, uh, up on the refrigerator or the wall so that we can, so we can see it. And, you know, sometimes we'll say a few here and a few there. Sometimes we'll say all 15 of them together. Sometimes we only get to one in a day and that's okay. Uh, uh another that, that more people are probably familiar with is the Advent wreath. And that is just, that was the the first liturgical living tradition I was ever familiar with was the, was the Advent wreath. Um, and, uh, and it's a great sort of archetype of liturgical living in the home. Cause this is a tradition that was just in homes before, uh, the, before the 19 like seventies, I think when it was, when there was finally a blessing, uh, so that it could be used in, in churches. Uh, but you know, the Advent wreath, kids the 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 smell of of real branches and the flicker of candles and the you know it's such a short there's short little prayers that go along with it and you just light the candle and you say the prayers we just do it around the dinner table and it's such a great way of you know setting the stage and watch all right here's one candle now two candles now three candles now four and you know and and so we know that we're getting closer and closer and the advent wreath is a really beautiful way to do that 
Um, and that's something that could be done just on Sundays if if that's all you can manage. But but we usually say the prayers and and light the candles at dinner um, every night of Advent. Uh, there are Advent calendars, and there are so many different types of Advent calendars <clears throat> that you can choose. But again, it's that you know it fosters that spirit of waiting. We I prefer a type uh, a, a, you know, uh, the a type of calendar that sort of builds to something rather than the kind where you take a chocolate out and eat it every time and then it's gone. Mm. But the exception to that is a book advent calendar where um, I, I saw, you know, on Pinterest or something, somebody doing this. And I think it's such a lovely idea. You take the Christmas books that you already own or just some favorite family, favorite picture books. They don't absolutely have to be, you know, Christmas themed and you wrap up 24 of them. And, you put them in a stack and then each day of Advent, you, you know, pull out a book and the kids get to open a book that they already had. <laughs> um, and, and then we sit down together and read it, but then, you know, you can see either there's, you know, a, a, a bunch of them on the shelf or stacked up and, you know, the stack gets smaller and smaller. And we know that we're, um, almost, almost to Christmas. Wow. Um, that one's really fun. And, uh, and I've taken to, uh, paying attention to which feast days are when. And so if we have, we have an Our Lady of Guadalupe book, so I'll wrap that one up for the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe and, um, you know, th- th- and try to find one that, you know, it's about Christmas lights for St. Lucy or things like that to sort of associate it more with the, more with the feast day. Um, and then there's the Jesse tree, which is a beautiful tradition uh, that was really intimidating to me for a long time until I got asked to write a book about it. And then <laughs> I finally, I, I finally managed to figure that one out too. Um, and that's a great way to sort of, it, it allows us to trace salvation history through the old Testament, uh, all the, all the symbols and the archetypes of, of Christ through the old Testament. And then um, through the uh, through the New Testament uh, until until the birth of Jesus, and that one you know can be very involved or it can be pretty short. Where uh, most people hang a little ornament, either on if you've put up your tree but haven't decorated it yet, you can you know use it to hang Jesse tree ornaments. We have a little stand and we put little ornaments up each night, um, and just read a little Bible verse and a little reflection on it. Um, and then finally, best for last is, um, <laughs> is, is the, the Christmas novena, the actual Christmas novena, nine days before <laughs> Christmas. Uh, the last day of it is, is Christmas Eve. And we, I think that, that my kids would agree. It's our favorite liturgical living, um, observance of the whole year that, um, we, we read Bible readings, we say prayers. Uh, this novena that we use was composed in the, uh, in the early 1800s. And, uh, you know, we go through the prayers and the kids have heard them again and again. And it's this, you know, sort of repetitiveness, but, but, you know, familiarity, and it really helps to on those last few days before Christmas, those last nine days to really, you know, it's the home stretch to really focus prayerfully and come together those those last few days before before Christmas. So if you can't manage any of the rest of it, if you can't manage a whole Jesse tree all month, which was me for so, so long, um, you know, I think that the, the Christmas novena is a great way um, to 
to cram a lot of, of preparation into those, into that last week and a little bit. Yeah, fantastic. It's so rich. It's unbelievable. And as and as you said, the, your family may be attracted to trying one thing or another a little bit at a time. But um, just leave us with some final thoughts on kind of doing Advent right. Yeah, I think that that like like all of it, like all liturgical living, like all parenting, like all homeschooling, you have to do what's going to work for you. You have to be willing to try things. And if they aren't working to make adjustments. Um, but I think that the key is to find a way to make it feel like a season of preparation and to wait for our celebration of Christmas until Christmas begins. And that it, it's a it's a great opportunity to, you know, like you said, to to step away from from what our, uh, you know, the culture at large is doing and to, and to say, no, this is how our family does it. And, and there's a real power in that for, for all sorts of parenting to, to be able to say, no, you know, other people do it that way, but we do things the tyranny way and the tyranny way is this, and we happen to think it's a great way to do it. Um, and, you know, so there, there's a lot, um, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, in all aspects of life, especially in Advent and to just choose Things that that you can back to uh, having a little hot hot drink and a story together um, before bed. Things that that uh, that your kids are going to associate with with the season and and, and uh, you know it, it really come to love. Mm, yeah, thank you so much, Kendra. It's just so joyful to talk about all of this with you. Thank you for your energy and your creativity, and also for just really trusting in the church's traditions and drawing from those deep wells of delight and meaning uh, really does help us all to appreciate more just being Catholic. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's a joy to have you. Everybody check out catholicallyear.com. I have the link for Kendra's book, The Catholic All Year Compendium, in the show notes, as well as uh, link uh, a link out to her social media platforms and ministries. And three other episodes that she did with us on the liturgical year. Don't miss those. Those are in the show notes. Uh, again, thank you, Kendra. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. I hope you have a truly blessed and beautiful Advent. And stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm Dave Palmer here at Homeschool Connections. I teach a class called An Introduction to the Summa Theologia by St. Thomas Aquinas. I also wrote a book called St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone, 30 Quick and Fun Lessons, Activities, and Outdoor Adventures based on the Summa Theologia. I have a YouTube channel based on teachings in the Summa Theologia, and also a Facebook page called Away a Day. It's a group page, which you can go and check out as well. I am doing quick little lessons on the Summa, and you might remember the first one that I did was teaching the five proofs for the existence of God, which I have listed here on the screen. And then in the second one, we started talking about what is God. I talked about 
the seven attributes, at least the first seven that St. Thomas Aquinas talks about in the Summa Theologia. They are that God is simple, perfect, good, infinite, immutable, eternal, and one. And I always tell my students that once you've proved that God exists and then you find out some of his attributes, the next logical thing that you would ask yourself is, well, can I know him? Can I be in a relationship with him? And so I want to talk about in this lesson, can we come to know God? And by way of comparison, I often say, well, can a dog know algebra? Well, a dog by its very nature cannot know algebra because the subject matter is above its capacity to understand. And in a very similar way, God is above us. We are natural and God is supernatural, but because of God's assistance, we are able to really come to know him in a pretty big way. And that's why when Thomas asks in the Summa, can a human being know God? The answer is yes, to some degree, naturally through our light of human reason, but even to a greater degree because he showers grace upon us, which allows us to come to know him in a bigger way. This is the one excerpt from the Summa that I'll share in this brief segment. Um, he says, the ultimate beatitude of man consists in the use of his highest function, which is the operation of his intellect. If we suppose that the created intellect could never see God, it would either never attain a beatitude, or its beatitude would consist in something others besides God, which is opposed to faith. For there resides in every man a natural desire to know the cause of any effect which he sees, and thence arises wonder in men. But if the intellect of the rational creature could not reach so far as to the first cause of things, the natural desire would remain void. This is a very, very key teaching in the Summa Theologia because what he's saying is every day we experience the effects of God. We experience beautiful sunsets and wonderful scenes like this and babies and beautiful birds and dogs and fellow human beings and all this beauty all around us. And we have a natural curiosity about it. Where did it come from? What is the cause of all these things? And St. Thomas Aquinas says, that's what's different about us. We have intellect, and we're able to really wonder and inquire about where this came from. And it's almost like he's saying it would be cruel if this curiosity, this wonder, this inquiry could not end up with a knowledge that we all seek, that we all desire, and that is namely to know God. Okay, so can we know God? Yes, absolutely, based on the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologia. God bless you. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.